What's up, independent insurance agents? Are you finally fed up with the massive amounts of time, money, resources being allocated to customer service within your agency? Is this causing your agency growth and revenue to become stagnant or even decline? The answer to this frustration is Glovebox, the premier mobile and web self-servicing solution made by successful independent insurance agents just like us, specifically for independent insurance agencies. Guys, this is the only platform with direct carrier connections. Glovebox gives your clients the power to engage within their writing carriers and you, their agency, in a single, easy-to-use platform. Mention the Insurance Guys podcast and get 20% off of your monthly subscription for life, guys, for life. This isn't an intro deal. This is for life. Schedule your demo with Glovebox today. Thanks. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for I Protect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama, parade first team All-American, rivals five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Great, Scott. How are you today? Best I have ever been. I'm in the land of the free, home of the brave, Mobile, Alabama, where every single human being is taking their two-story old mobile home and turning it into an Airbnb for all of us to enjoy and that is where I'm staying this week, Mr. It's Bradley happening. It's happening. I think my house was built in 1685, and they have turned the whole thing into a Airbnb. <laughs> so It's also hard as crap to insure Airbnbs down here, so I'm really excited about all of that. So, guys, i got a hilarious story for you. I called Bradley at 830 this morning. Bradley, I'm right down the street from the podcast studio. Can you pick me up? He goes, man, that's not a problem. I'll be there in just a few minutes. He was at his office already. And so as he's coming to pick me up, I go outside and I'm thinking, man, you know, he's got that new Tesla and he loves that car more than he loves me. And the driveway on this little street that we're on called Ann Street is kind of high. It's it's a short driveway, but it's really high. And I thought, man, he's going to turn left into this driveway and it's just going to scratch the shit out of the bottom of that Tesla. About that time I turn around, Bradley has stopped, dead-ass stop in the middle of the road in front of my house with, like, literally, call me, correct me if I'm wrong, seven cars behind him, and I have to walk across the street, <laughs> almost get hit by cars, to get into his Tesla, and I get in, and I was like, man, I was worried about that little driveway, and he goes, yeah, I saw it. I didn't want to pull into that. So he literally just stopped his shit in the front of my <laughs> In front of my house, because he knew he was going to scrape the bottom of that Tesla, and he was having no Re- part of that. Really? I just didn't want you to have to walk, because if I went it, it, the other place I could park, you would have had to walk. So. <laughs> I was like, well, well played. I thought about that too, Bradley. But I've always been the guy who, who curbed his own rims and stuff, and just, mm-hmm. just really just drove vehicles hard. And ever since I got that car, I'm like... Yeah, the most we, vigilant. We ain't pulling into that I'm driveway. the guy that parks at the end of the parking lot, the right. back of the parking lot at the grocery store, not near anybody. Danny, why we got to walk yeah. two miles to go to Walmart? We don't. The car will come get us at the front door. Boom! Mic drop right there, folks. Mic drop, guys. We got a great <laughs> we got a great podcast for you today. We've got a great American on the show with us. I'm excited to be here, 
And as I always like to say, rewards come from action, not discussion. And guys, I got a special guest for you today, and I want to go ahead and give him the introduction that he has always deserved. He's originally from Burbank, California, and he currently resides in Denver, Colorado. He is married to the beautiful Cassandra, and they have two beautiful daughters, Vivian and Scarlett. He is a graduate of the University of Colorado in Boulder, and he is currently the co-founder and COO of our favorite mobile app, Glovebox. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you First-time guest on the IGP, Mr. Sean Mulhern. How are you, Sean? Doing great. Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here today. We have got a lot to talk about. I am fired up about having you on the show today. I know Bradley is as well. Before we get started, climb in my DeLorean and let you and I go back in time and talk to our audience about how you got into the insurance industry, which I am wildly excited to hear and bring us up to today. Cool. You know, it definitely goes back a while. I uh, got out of college. I was actually going to be a dentist. I kind of honestly going through school was of the mindset that uh, nobody likes their job. So you might as well make as much money as possible. I was smart enough to do some science classes. I figured let's go, let's go the dental route. You know, they seem to make good money. And I got out of school right as the economy was tanking during uh, that first, you know, 07, 08 kind of time period and wasn't motivated, wasn't excited to go to dental school, um, decided while I'm bouncy, I'm going to move up to Vail, Colorado and uh, get the uh, get the ski bum, you know, out of me. So snowboarded for, for a few years, worked an overnight job. So I got to literally ski seven days a week. Kid you not, in that interview, the guy, it was an overnight job at a hotel. The, the guy interviewing me goes, you know, honestly, you could probably sleep a couple hours a night. No one would even know. And I was like, this is the job for me. And uh, I went in and basically had my laptop open books, books out every night. It was basically my, my kind of MBA, my personal one to figure out what do I want to do in this world? What do I want to do in life? And it all came down to, I want to be able to work from a computer, um, pick up a phone, work anywhere I want to work. Uh, and then uh, my wife and I, uh, now wife, we were dating at that time, uh, we're making our way back down the mountain to Denver. And it was, you know, kind of that time period to go, okay, what are we going to do now? Let's grow up a little. And Ryan and Andy, you know, we're just joining the, the agency um, that we, you know, we, we were doing our running and gunning at. And uh, they said, Hey, we're, we're coming in, we're going to be expanding this uh, shop. Uh, do you want to maybe, you know, come talk about it? And, and I kind of thought, you know, I don't know if I want to wear a red sweater and khakis every day. Uh, that's kind of what I thought insurance was. And, they introduced me to the independent model and they said, Hey, it's, you know, here's what it is. You got multiple carriers, multiple options. Here's, here's how we, we do things. Here's what we're thinking. And again, going back to wanting to work from a computer, you also learn if you're, if you're trying to make an income, is there anything better than residual, you know, right. getting those renewals, something that you sell at once and make the money. Uh, so I said, all right, let's give this a shot and uh, ended up jumping in. Uh, it was a tough, uh, it was a very tough jump in um, because to do it, uh, my wife and I we were engaged at the time. We had to basically commit to going and living with my parents in their unfinished basement to make it happen. Because as you guys know, when you get in, that first year is not about making money. Right. It's about getting those relationships, putting in the groundwork, pounding the pavement. And sure. uh, but it was like, all right, let's take let's take a step backwards to take two or three forward. And um, you know that's what got me in. Uh, Ryan, you know, brought me in, and it wasn't the whole let's go call your friends and family. It was, Hey, let's go build a referral relationship um, set up so that the leads start funneling in. 
And from there, I just, I drank the Kool-Aid, um, followed the script, tweaked it after about three, four, five months to kind of fit my own personality, how I ran things, how I did things, my own operations, because we definitely uh, sell and market a little bit differently. And then uh, from there, a year in, I kind of thought, where are these leads coming from? This is crazy. You know, they, you know, and then uh, after about a year, year and a half, it was, you know, the leads were overflowing. You're not getting to the leads that are coming in. So hired, hired an assistant uh, about two, three months after that, hired a second, um, started looking at hiring the third. And uh, that was actually about the time that Ryan took over and uh, started growing a commercial team. And um, I like having problems to solve. It's very easy to get bored um, in my head, uh, you know, you can only look at so many home and auto policies. I know. <laughs> and uh, I saw commercial. I was like, "All right, this is different. Let's go for it." You know. And so I kind of kept that team on autopilot, um, funneled all my leads into them, and then jumped into commercial. And then, you know, your uh, Scott, your DeLorean reference, um, going from personal to commercial is like taking the DeLorean back in time even further. You know, with how all the systems and processes are, and. Uh, uh, did that for a couple of years, and 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 that was uh, that was my step into in, into insurance. So, bottom line was you were a boy dog. You got in with those guys and proved your worth. And uh, probably, if I had to guess, you know, was was doing well on the personal line side. And then let me take a wild guess because I always tell people this: if you want to make some money in the insurance business right home and auto insurance. If you want to make big money in the insurance business, go right, you know, middle market commercial insurance. And if you want to make Oprah Winfrey money and have your own helicopter and G5, go create programs in the insurance business. But I'm guessing knowing you and how well you communicate with people and just your overall acumen and critical thinking skills you probably got into that commercial stuff and just absolutely crushed it. Yeah. It didn't feel like it the first uh, three or four months. Um, You know, but once you get past that nervousness of, Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm talking to a business owner. They know more than me. Right. You know, and realizing they're just, they're just a person, you know, and insurance is hard and commercial. There's so much there that I know, you know, I know more than you and I know it. And once that confidence came, that posture came, yeah, it was, it was, um, it was eye opening. You know, that first, uh, that first big deal you get in commercial when you're like, Whoa, I just did three months worth of personal lines business with mm-hmm. this plumber. Correct. You know, it was a game changer. Um, yeah. but and on then, the flip side, then, your wins are big. Your losses are, you yeah. know, gut punches. We'll like spin our wheels sometimes on say a $50,000 commercial policy that we don't get, but we could have written a hundred, home policies with the same with with less effort than we put on that there's kind of both sides to it you know yeah absolutely i you know we we got a lot of our leads on the personal line side from lenders that was our niche um and i would always tell the lender you know you lose a deal it's it's a lot bigger deal to you when i lose out on a home they don't go with me you know i'm still gonna put food on the table tonight sure um but then jumping over to commercial i I distinctly remember this day it was kind of like right as I was ramping up, a lot of deals were hitting that marketing was hitting. And I got this one, you know, this one account and I walked in, I cold called on it, uh, of course, and cruised in and the lady goes, yeah, you know, let's take a look, you know, we're paying about a, you know, 180 on our auto. And then I was just kind of wrapping my head around like, what does she mean? 180, not $180. And I was like, Oh my God, they're paying $180,000 a year on their auto. Mm-hmm. That's just the auto. 
Um, so we kind of get through everything. We end up coming through saving the day. We're saving them 50 grand on just the auto. They end up giving us a look at everything. Uh, that day I've got three packages out that I'm going to close. So I had about 380,000 in premium that I, I wake up that morning, you know, as easy as I've ever, it was like Christmas. I was like, I'm going to close all of these deals. Cause they are, you know, they're all buttoned up, you know, at the end of the day though, all three of them, you know, they, uh, they went another direction. They went oh. with their current broker. They were able to finagle something out. You know, that happens, right. that happens in commercial where it's just, you don't have it till you have it. But, um, you know, it was a nice gut punch. I took about 10 minutes to feel sorry for myself. And I was like, all right, on to the next, um, right. you get them now or you get them later. But, uh, but yeah, those, those highs are high and those lows can be low. Yeah. I, I would say, you know, it's probably easier to take a policy home and auto policy away from an income incumbent, especially if that agency is a, a behemoth mm-hmm. and, and that, that, you know, it may not even be on their radar really. Right. I mean, they're just like, you know, we've got, 6,000 more home and auto policies, so whatever. But, boy, you run across a big middle market or large commercial account, and uh, you sometimes forget mm-hmm. that there's another Bradley on the other side of that table, Yep. and somebody somewhere has probably let him know that they're on the, they're on the clock. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes we forget – that and, and I know you, you and I've had this conversation with some stuff you were going after, and I was like, You better watch out because I know who's on the other side of that mm-hmm. table. Well, it's it's tough, it's tough. I was talking to a buddy a couple weeks ago who was going after a, a big account, um, Hab account, mm-hmm. and he was going against a rather large agency in this area. And and he, he knew this, I wasn't telling him anything he didn't know, but I said, Man, look, here's what my strategy would be my strategy would be, Hey. In this market, on this, this, this was like a couple hundred houses that were all coastal. In this market, they don't have any markets that I don't. Right. We all have the exact same markets for stuff. You know, if we're in the middle of America, yeah, they're going to have access to some very preferred markets, but not here. We're quoting the exact same markets. You're not getting anything there that you're not going to get here from a market standpoint. If you go there, you're going to be maybe in the top 500. Mm-hmm. maybe if you come here, you're going to be in my top three. I'm going to answer the phone every time you call there. You're going to be a number on a page. So, and he ended up winning the account. He kind of out big boy, the big boys, right? basically. Right. But we had one recently, a renewal that we lost that they literally AOR'd all of our, all of our work. Uh-huh. And we just, we got big boyed. It was uh-huh. like, Hey, we've been here forever, da, 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 you know, uh-huh. and it just, it happens. Yeah. You, it's sometimes, uh, you forget there's a Fox in that hunt and I'll tell you yeah. something else too that people forget is sometimes on those large accounts, you don't know who's got what relationship Mm -hmm. from the other agency and the company you're dealing with. And then after the fact, you find out that somebody's damn cousin that's on the board of directors is an insurance agent somewhere. And you're like, son of a bitch. We've all had those kinds of things happen before. I try not to ever, I try not to ever forget that, there's somebody else in this game and it's a person that I can't see. He's on the other side of that table somewhere and he's in this deal. And like Bradley said, you're trying to play chess, not checkers. Right. Mm -hmm. And it helps if you do know who that other party is, because then you can come up with a strategy, a chess strategy of how, how do I need to approach this Mm -hmm. to maximize my potential for getting this account 
you know, and, and use what, what some people might perceive as a strength as a weakness. Yep. And that I will say with large, big, big, big agencies, and, and Sean, you can speak to this, sometimes that what they might perceive as a strength and you're the, the more boutique agency that can provide more personalized attention because this client may be your biggest account, right? That could potentially be a strength for you rather than for them. Mm-hmm. What are your 100%. thoughts? 100%. I, I, we talked about it a lot, actually, on our sales team. It was don't be afraid to go after these big accounts because it's got a big agency attached to it. Uh-huh. it and this isn't you know putting any big agency down, but a lot of times if you're a smaller shop, you have to be super creative with how you package it. And if you can bring a unique creative idea um, to the table, as opposed to, Hey, this is how we handle our contractors. We always just, these are the packages we use. Um, The client a lot of times is like, Oh, you know, to Bradley's point, you know, you're one of my top five or my top 10. I'm looking at this a little bit more. I'm not just getting the deal done. I'm looking for a creative strategy um, to see how I can package this in a unique way that maximizes the benefit for you. And I think a lot of, a lot of clients resonate with that because it's insurance. They don't know what they don't know. They want to trust someone. And when you're going to bat and trying to put this puzzle together in a unique way, they're at least going to trust you. And then, you yeah. know, I've actually heard you say this, Scott, a lot of times you're, you're not always trying to win the business right now. Yeah, um, right. You're just letting people know what you do that's right. and you're already in the quoting process. If they know what you do and how you handled it. And, and even if you, you can't get it done, yeah, you have your head high and you talk nice about it. They're going to come back later. Well, and we had one recently that we, David Carruthers them and <laughs> that's a great line. <laughs> we, you know, we just coined it, a new phrase. Well, was, we David Carruthers. Well, we were, we were able to use some, I techn- like that. So we were able to use some technology that predicted what their mod was going to be next year. Right. And they had an open claim and their agent was doing absolutely nothing to get that claim closed. And uh, we had a conversation with him and he went from, well, I'm going to stick with these guys because they're my buddy to I basically, basically the punchline of the whole thing was if you stick with them, your mod is definitely going to be a 1.3 next year. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what exactly was. It was high right now. He's like 0.85. Right. If you come here, there is a chance it's going to be lower than one point three. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you can either definitely get one point three or you can come over to us. We can try to finagle some stuff around. We did find a little bit of a loophole with because Alabama's got a bunch of funds and we can kind of go that route. But and he ended the conversation. He went from, well they're my friends, I'm sticking with them to kind of sounds like I have no choice. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? There you go. Carruthers dumb. Carruthers, Carruthers Doom. Hey, uh, Sean, let's help move this rowboat towards the lighthouse today. A couple things we want to talk about. Number one, we wanted to talk today about who owns the damn business? Who owns the client? Is it the agency? Is it the carrier? Let's talk about that. I mean, we know with a, you know for our captive friends out there that are listening, uh, most of the time – your contractual agreement is that you service the client, but at the end of the day, let's say you eat a bad piece of pizza and you want to leave, more than likely your contract is going to say that the the carrier, all state farmers, state farm, farm bureau, whoever, they actually own the client. Okay? On the independent side, though, talk to us a little bit about that. Who owns that client? Uh, it's a killer question. Um 
And honestly, for the last couple of years, especially with Glovebox, what we've been been really talking about and preaching is it's the independent agency that owns the client because they own the relationship. Correct. You know, the relationship being the important word there is that I can move you from this carrier to that carrier. But there was a caveat. I had a, a guy I was actually running a demo for in the last few weeks, and he had a, a just a slightly different perspective that got me thinking. And he goes, I see what you're saying because we own the relationship. But if we don't, you know, who's servicing it? He's like, if we don't have a mobile presence and the clients are not coming to us to service, we don't own the client. And so he kind of put it in a different way. He's like, if you don't have a mobile app, you don't own the client. Because if they're off to the carrier site, the carrier, you're, you're relying on the carrier to handle everything. And at the end of the day, you know, in that situation, they kind of own it. So it's kind of a quasi, it's a, it's a fluid question, but um, is it the relationship that owns it or where the service relationship uh, is living? Yeah, I would say that, I would say personally, I think relationship trumps. Now that assumes that you've got a personal relationship with every client in your book, which you don't. I don't think there's any agency in America, you know, besides the guy that's only been or girl that's only been an independent agent for a year and maybe has a couple hundred thousand, half a million dollars on the books. Now they probably do have a, a personal relationship, but when you get up into the five, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars in premium, hundred million dollars in premium. There's no way my agency's up to about seven, seven and a half million in premium. And every week somebody calls me and I'm thinking to myself, hell, I don't know who this son of a bitch is. You know, it's just hard. It's hard to have that personal relationship. Now you, you hope that each one of your agents that is selling your products or, you know, carriers that we represent, you hope that each one of them has a personal relationship. But I have always said one of the, the kiss of death for independent agents is letting these clients, these good clients jump on a carrier mobile app where now they've got all their stuff. And what right. happens when later on, when they, you mm -hmm. know, are still going after that particular client after they leave XYZ carrier. Well, and I've always said that I don't want, like we get these leads from like progressive where they go to the progressive site and then progressive sends it to us because mm -hmm. they said they want an agent and that's fine. Like we'll talk to those people, but I'm not ever like Uber excited when that happens. Cause like, I don't want someone doing business with me because of progressive or mm -hmm. because of, Cincinnati or because of whoever, because it's like live by price, die by price, live by the sword, die by the sword. If right. they're only coming to you for progressive, mm -hmm. what happens when progressive says, oh, we don't mm -hmm. do this thing anymore, or they take a weird stance politically or whatever. Right. All of a sudden it's like, oh, they're, we're not doing business with portal. We're doing business with progressive. We're going mm -hmm. somewhere else. Right. And so we try to really, like we don't sell the carrier too hard to our customers. Like we, we try to put them with the product that best fits them and we sell us. Mm. And that's what I think like having yeah. your own mobile app allows you to do regardless of who you use, you know, hopefully it's glove box, but absolutely. Hey, Sean, I, going I mean, back somewhere in the middle there is really the answer, you know, yeah. like, you know, the, the agency wants to think they own them. The carrier wants to think they own them, mm -hmm. you know, but it's, it's a weird relationship. So it's, it's really kind of a moving it's a moving answer. The target's moving all the time. And here's the thing, too. All right. If we stood out on the top of a building looking down at every insurance agent in the United States of America, 
and said, do you want to own the business? Every single person is going to say yes. Okay? Everybody agree? Okay. So a risk comes in and you want to write it. And the only market available is one of these weird kind of wholesalers that is kind of your name's not on the deck page and you don't own the renewal rights. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Are you turning them away or are you writing them? Mm-hmm. You're writing them. Right. So we're kind of moving in the direction almost away from the agent owning the account. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to, it's kind of like the whole argument of, I hate direct-to-consumer carriers. Carriers that go direct-to-consumer are awful Oh, by the way, here's our progressive contract. <laughs> you yeah. know, if if you're gonna yeah, take right. <laughs> a hard stance, don't don't do that. You know, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you nailed it. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, the agent's gonna write the business because they want the commission. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, they want the client, they want the opportunity. So, I'm not saying they're gonna like it, but hey, Sean, I got another question for you. You were snowboarding out in Colorado, met your beautiful wife. Y'all are having a bunch of fun. You decide to go get a big boy job. Ryan and Andy talk you into coming on board. You don't know shit from shampoo about insurance. You are a beacon of light for so many agents out there that came from some other industry and got into the insurance business. And you were wildly successful at it. No question. No question. And I can see why. You're high energy. You speak well. You're confident. I can see that you would be someone that when you picked up the phone and called somebody, cold call, warm call, whatever, people would think to themselves, I need to talk to this guy. This guy sounds like he's knowledgeable. He's somebody somebody I need to talk to. Give these agents some lessons on things that, looking back on it now, to grow the type of business that you grew with that agency that's no, you know, that has now been sold, give them some lessons that you learned the first two or three years from, uh, marketing, getting up and running things you learned that maybe you can shorten their time frame and of being successful in the insurance business. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate the compliment, Scott. Um, but yeah, when I started, I you know, I was trembling to pick up the phone. I bet. Um, First thing though, I mean, if you're afraid to pick up the phone, get over it, you know, is really kind of just get over it. That fear has to be overcome because competence equals confidence. And when you get into the industry, your first two years, you really don't know shit about what you're doing. So you kind of have to kind of fake it till you make it from a certain perspective. And then once you get that competence built, you've learned what you've learned, you know, your stuff, it's like riding a bicycle after that. But yeah, a couple of things. I want to hear a couple of things that you that you had going. Yeah, through. yeah. I mean, honestly, even four years in, into personal lines, two years onto commercial, you know, my schedule stayed pretty much the exact same. I obviously shifted who I'm reaching out to, but to just talk about those phone calls, the very first phone call of every single day, I had a few more butterflies. It's game time, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just like just before tip off, you know, you get the first one out of the way. And then you're in the groove, you know, and they get exciting. You get some of those wins. So um, for anyone that might be a little bit nervous about picking up the phone, a very simple like way to to get the ball rolling, call a current client or call a referral partner that you already have a relationship with somebody that's not going to be an issue to talk to just to get the juices flowing, the, the, 
the talking happening and just something so that you feel good again and go, okay, cool. I can, I can do this. And then you start making the calls. But the most important thing is consistency. Yeah, absolutely. Consistency. You know, we trained people on a very, very simple process and I can't tell you how many people saw it and then would start doing it. They would get through the first week, check all the boxes. The second week they do it three out of five days. The third week they're going, Hey, I'm tweaking my Excel spreadsheet now. And I think I'm going to jump on, on this website. And what do you think about this email content I'm writing? And I didn't care. I was like, did you do this and this and this? Well then what are you doing? You know, it's very simple. If you're trying to get leads in the door, you need to call the people that are going to send you those leads. Pick your niche. Doesn't matter. Again, we went after mortgage brokers. Um, people even try to, to branch out and go over to realtors. Fine. Go to realtors. I think mortgage brokers are better, but go for CPAs, go for financial planners, go to whoever you want. And what's an easy way to do that? You, you can hop on LinkedIn. You can connect with those people. Set a number for every day of this many people you're going to connect with. Go connect with that many people. Day two, you go follow up. Who connected? And really simple, what I trained people on is as soon as you make that connection and you see it pop in, there is a, a, an exact order in which you follow up with these people. It is phone call, then email, then LinkedIn message. And I mean that in the sense of like, when you connect, as you guys know, you get to see the contact info. If a phone number is there, pick up the phone, call the person. Just connected John on LinkedIn. I like following up my connections with something a little bit more personal so that it goes nowhere. Here's what I do. I'm not sure if right now is the right time to talk, but I'd love to connect. If the phone number's not there, email. Hey, John, we just connected on LinkedIn. It's the same thing, but it's through email. You can even have a a scripted template, copy and paste it. If those things aren't there, then you go for the LinkedIn message because that's all you've got. If you're doing that consistently, what you're showing people when you pick up that phone is, oh, they're not afraid to pick up the phone. I can't tell you how many times I'd get somebody on the phone and they would be like, you know what? I need to start doing that again. That's how I built my business. And I stopped doing it years ago. I'll t- let's go meet for coffee. Absolutely. Just because you called. Um, and I'm actually like that too, you know, because I get hit up all the time for things. If someone picks up the phone and calls me, I am very likely to, to at least chat with them for a little bit because they, they picked it up. The level um, of effort. So that's a big one. So consistency uh, in your process and sticking to it. It doesn't have to be hard. Reach out to a specific number of people each day and follow up on those connections. Uh, The second one is to set a reminder to continue to follow up with them because obviously almost nothing happens from the first phone call or the first email or the first LinkedIn message. You know, uh, there's any number of stats that are out there on on how much follow-up everything takes. For me, I gave it three or four follow-ups depending on, you know, kind of the caliber of a person I might be reaching out to. You know, what did their LinkedIn profile look like? What's their web presence look like? Um, You know, if it was the commercial side of business, what's their business look like? If they look like a really good contact, I'm going to be following up until they tell me to pound sand um, because they haven't met me yet. You can say no after you meet me, you you know, after we get that coffee and you realize who I am and what I do. Two, don't be attached to any of of the outcomes of the phone call for the prospecting, for the marketing, you know, trying to get these referral, you know, people. Um, Who cares? Nobody is that good on the phone that they're going to close everything. Either the person you called is open or they are not. If I called them, and they're not open, it doesn't matter if the guy that started yesterday in insurance called him. That guy was not open to, to, to dealing with anything. That's the point I was trying to make on the episode with, uh, I don't even remember who it was, uh, where we talked about your, your carrier appointment deal with, with Cy Young. Uh, and you were not attached to the outcome. Oh, yeah. Like, no. you didn't give a crap what happened. No. 
and that's what made it work. Well, I'm not smart enough to think about that. That's what made it work. Like that's that's why it was so good is because it's like, hey, we go into this with a hundred percent effort of like we don't give a crap what happens mm-hmm. and that comes through, you know. Yeah, I'm afraid about half the time for me it's just a matter of uh not being smart enough to think about the outcome. I just I just do it and then see what happens. Which I mean I, that's know. that's the thing you gotta train people on, you know? You're you're just it's like um you know, so my, my brother played baseball. Uh I you know, I played sports growing up, but we got different genes. Uh he's six two, two twenty. I'm five nine, you know, one fifty five. Um, actually, oddly enough, he played at the University of South Alabama, um, and I believe he still is the home run leader for the school. I haven't checked that in a while, but uh, but yeah, he's from your neck of the woods, um, you know, at least for playing baseball. But I equated this a lot um, to people getting up and running an insurance. Is that if you ever played sports and you you know if you played baseball specifically and you're hitting off the tee, you're just getting reps, you're just swinging the bat, you know. So when you're out there marketing for to build your referral network. That's all you're doing. You're just picking up the phone and making the calls today. I had no answers. No problem. I bet I get some tomorrow. You know, you're going through those numbers. You're flipping those cards over to try to get those aces. It doesn't matter if you got all four on the first call. It's not likely, but you might get some twos and threes. You're just flipping them over going through the consistency because it's never going to be one phone call that makes you good. All of a sudden, two years go by or a year. Honestly, if you do it, right and you hammer it for six months you're going to be overwhelmed with leads it's just the consistency and the repetition getting top of mind you know and something that's slightly you know in the same vein of it is you're reaching out you're following up you get the person on the phone you don't Um, it goes three or four follow-ups so you know you maybe followed up over the course of a month you never got the guy on the phone they go on your email list and then same thing stop worrying about what email you're sending just send something And I would run experiments like this all the time, partly because I thought this was funny, but any new agent, the first question they ask is, you know, what do I send in this, this newsletter, you know, this weekly email, what am I sending? And it's just like, you know, send anything, doesn't matter, you know, send the random holiday of today, send something about insurance news, send something about your family, the weather, the sports team, doesn't matter. And what I would do sometimes is I just put some subject line in and leave the email intentionally blank. And I would send it to every single referral partner I had just to highlight to them that obviously content is important. And I'm not saying content is not important, but what I am saying is that we are in insurance. People don't really care about insurance that much. All we're really trying to accomplish is to put your face and your name in front of them because most people are not going to read the email anyway. You know, in all honesty, if you have 500 people on your referral market list, referral market list, how many are going to actually open that email and read it as opposed to just deleting it right away? Most people are going to delete it. And you know, that happens. But what was funny about that test is the emails I would get the most responses to were, were those blank emails. Mm-hmm. Hey, I didn't get, uh, there was nothing in the body of the email. And so I'd shoot them something back, you know, that I had pre-written, but it just kind of showed that you're, you're occupying the space that is insurance in their head. And you don't know because you haven't called them in two months, three months, five months, six months, maybe you never even talked to this person, but right when that email hit their inbox, they could have had an issue with insurance. And now, Oh, that's right. You know, Sean has followed up with me diligently. Yeah. That guy called me five times. I never answered the phone. And then he sent me a weekly email for the last six months. Let's give this guy a shot. He looks like he shows up. They don't know anything about my insurance ability, how I act, how I operate, but that says a lot when you follow up. You know, so those two things. But And before I ramble, you know, I'll give you guys a second to interject. So let me say this. I'm a firm believer that response rate 
callback rate on voicemails, which you get a lot of voicemails nowadays. People hate talking on the phone. They don't want to answer the phone. Hell, my wife won't answer a damn phone if you call her. If she's the damn president of the United States, she would get go to voicemail. She answered my call earlier well, today. I know because, you know, she's trying to get here and took her hour and 15 minutes. But anyway, I am a firm believer. I have stats to back this up, okay? When you call someone on a cold call, the callback percentage ratio of the number of people who call you back Here's all you're saying to that person on that voicemail. Hey, Mr. Johnson, this is Scott Howell with iProtect Insurance. Hey, I wanted to talk to you for just a minute about your insurance. If you would, give me a call back. My number is 256-444-2041, and uh, I look forward to speaking with you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Now, what I said right there, let me tell you what I just – it's like a dog that smells fear on somebody, which is usually why they bite the shit out of you. What that Mr. Johnson just heard was, I'm confident, I'm sharp as a tack. What was that, about a 10-second voicemail I just left? I'm confident, I'm sharp as a tack, I know what I'm doing, this is a guy that I need to call back. Now, I call... You're a poet, didn't even know it. I call 100 of those, I'm getting a 30% callback rate. Now, let me, yeah. let me make that same phone call again. Hey, Mr. Johnson... This is Leslie at Sanderson uh, Insurance Center. Yeah, I, I I was calling to see if we could um, maybe quote your insurance. Um, if you would call me back, uh, and and I would love I would love the opportunity to quote your business. Now, folks, let me tell you what her damn callback percentage is going to be. It's going to be freaking zero, zero yeah. point. Zero. My point in saying this is, if you're going to make 35 calls a day, that's what you've got to do, and you're not going to see results that week. You're going to see results from that two to three months later. If you're confident, if you're excited, if, you have, if you're sharp as a tack or you sound like you're sharp as a tack, that person that gets that voicemail in their mind is going to say, that's a son of a bitch. I need to call back right there. Mm -hmm. If you're whatever I called that person's name, Leslie or whatever her name was, nobody's calling them back. Quit your job, Leslie. Nobody's calling them back. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. They don't have the self-awareness to know, and they're not getting these callbacks, and then they're thinking, well, shit, I mean, nobody calls me back. I leave voicemails. Nobody calls me back, so I just don't need to do that anymore. I've got a girl in my office has a 30% callback ratio on Colex dates. 30%. Everybody she calls, she gets a voicemail. 30% of those people call her back. She probably gets, I don't know, she writes about sixty, seventy, eighty thousand $80,000 a month in personal lines. Your thoughts, Sean? Am I right or am I wrong? She's crushing it. She is, I mean, I, crushing. you hit it on the point. That's actually one of the things that, you know, I would say, you know, in this conversation is posture. Yeah, you exactly. know the way that you sound. You can sound. You can sound. You can be nervous, but you don't have to sound nervous. You can hear a smile and the posture. Yeah, the posture even translates from trying to find that referral network to the client. You know, when you're when you're actually you get a lead in, you're postured with the client. You you, you have to match. You got to mirror what they're doing. If they're kind of pushing you off and don't want to do this, that, or the other. You've got to be postured enough to say, you know, I'm the you got referred to me. You know, you don't necessarily say this, but when I train people, it's, hey, before you pick up the phone, whether it's to a client or a referral partner, you need to pretend like you are making $500,000 a year and you're getting 100 leads a month. 
because if you were, it would not matter what that person said. I don't care who it was, what they're doing. You wouldn't care. You'd be like, all right, man, I got 10 more just like you calling. Right. Some will, some won't. God bless. Who's next? Now you got me on my damn soapbox. Second thing you can't do. Second thing you can't do is, and I see so many insurance agents make this damn mistake. Folks, I am sorry that it has to be this way, but I see so many agents that call people to quote their insurance business and they have what I call the servant mentality. Okay. The sir, I'm here to serve you. Well, you get into these big mid market accounts or, you know, commercial accounts and you're talking to business owners, especially, and even, even personal lines, clients, you have to have that confidence. Just what you just talked about. I got 10 more behind you. Some will, some won't God bless who's next. Do you want me to write your damn insurance business or not? But I, I listen to insurance agents call every single day and they have this, oh, let me help you and I want to help you. And this, this is more that servant helping. And it's just, it owns me because people are like, for some reason, that person that has more of that confident, I got 10 more behind behind you. You can either let me quote it or not. How do I say this? Sean, help me out here. It's more, it, and maybe it's just like you said, posture. It's that posture. You can't have that servant, you know, oh, oh, yeah, yes, sir, yes, sir, uh, whatever you need, you're sir. Doing uh, a, you're doing the client and yourself a disservice in doing that because switch insurance to doctor. Yeah. If I go to my doctor, I don't want to tell the doctor what to do. Right. I want the doctor to tell me what to do because they're smarter than me. Right. When someone's coming to me for insurance, you don't know anything about insurance, you know, and, and I'm not here. I'll hear you out. I'm here to help you. I'm here to have that servant mentality, sure. but this is how I do business. And this is my business. I'm going to tell you exactly what needs to be done here. If this doesn't fit, we might not have a fit. Correct. And so really a, a simple quote on that is, is disqualifying business is just as good as qualifying your business because the sooner you walk away from the account, that's making you, feel like a servant in, in telling you to do this, do that, do the other odds are that person's going to be tough to deal with sure. uh, to even get the sale done. They're going to be tough to service. And the faster you move on from that person, the faster you get back to cold calling and getting that referral network set up mm-hmm. instead of just, ah, I'm selling out of pocket. I need to put food on the table. You know, I need to get this deal done. And then you spend 30, 40, 50 minutes, an hour, two hours, tweaking deductibles, mm-hmm. quoting another carrier, you know, you're not going to get the deal anyway, you know, and then they're going to be out the door in a year and a half, two years anyway. So, you know, is it really even worth it? Don't waste the hour, pick up the phone and make 10 more calls, get a new referral partner. That's going to send you five leads a month. Let's hurry up and get there. Let's hurry up and get you successful and get you rich. You know, don't worry about those people and you don't want to work with them anyway. Right. Exactly. I'll tell you the hardest son bitch to sell insurance to is a son bitch that used to sell insurance. <laughs> Y'all ever done that before? You ever got somebody on the phone and you're and you're talking to them and they're like, "Well, you just need to know I used to be an agent for Liberty Mutual gonna, for 15 years and I'm like, "Oh yeah. god, here we go." I'm going to one up that. This is going to be rich. I'm going to give you somebody more difficult. Okay? An adjuster. <laughs> Oh, those are great. Yeah, the older I was going to say your parents. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly. I was say your parents. So so that's impossible. There's a local company here that's a massive catastrophe adjusting firm. They adjust claims in all 50 states. There are some states. I'm going to one-up myself. 
There are some states that you don't have to have an adjuster's license to mm-hmm. adjust catastrophe claims. Right. Try selling insurance to a catastrophe adjuster who doesn't have an adjuster's license mm. who's going to overcompensate <laughs> right. to show you how much they know yeah. for not having an adjuster's license. Right, right, right. And on top of that, they're making like thirty grand a month. Well, And, you know, Bradley brings up a good point, Sean. Let's talk about this for a minute. So there's four types of – well, there's 28 personality types out there. But there's four personality types – Right? You ever tried to sell insurance to a damn engineer if you don't have an engineer's personality? Because they're going to ask 718 questions Mm -hmm. and they have this monotone accounting engineering personality. And if you put them with the wrong agent, it's just going to be fucking awful. Just like this adjuster uh, story that Bradley just told, certain personalities types just do not. And Sean, you kind of have to. If you can understand those four personality types, one's the adjuster engineer personality that you have to slow down, be prepared to answer 715 questions, let them take their time in making a decision because they're going to look at 14 different options. You've got the personality type that is just like our personality type, which is the sales guy personality, outgoing, fun to talk to, it's your personality type. He, he kind of mimics you. You know, he's all you always enjoy talking to him when you get on the phone with him. That's the second one. There's four different ones, but you kind of have to mold your the way you talk to people once you very quickly determine which one of those personality types you're dealing with. Would you agree with that, Sean? Yeah, a hundred percent. Personality types, you know, even like how do they want to be communicated with? Sure. You know, so yeah. that first that first interaction, you know, you're 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 playing the game a little bit of like, who is this person? How are they gonna deal with things? Are they gonna be tough to deal with? Are they gonna be easy to deal with? Mm-hmm. Trying to ask the question and get the answer that's going to eliminate the next seven or eight questions. Right. And then even as, as you said, how, how do I want to send them their quotes? Mm-hmm. Do they want it in email? Super detailed. Mm-hmm. I have a script for that. Of course, you know, just punch in the numbers. It's all bullet pointed. Um, do I have a script for the, the, the one that wants it quick? Uh, yes. Do I have one that says, Oh, I'm going to have to shoot a loom video for this one. Right. Um, this one's don't email. I have to call this person. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's funny you say engineers. Cause that, yeah, that is a, uh, they go well, line by line, don't the, they? <laughs> the, the, the third one is the alpha, the alpha male that's like doesn't have time to talk to you. Yeah, just send me something. Just send me something. They Here's what I want. I want this, and I want this, and I want this. Correct. My favorite are attorneys. Attorneys. I like attorneys because they yeah. have all their crap together, and I can say, send me your stuff, Correct. and they'll send me every iteration of every policy <laughs> right. they've ever owned with spreadsheets and right. and all that. And and a lot of times they'll be like, okay, what carrier do you want me to put you with? Mm-hmm. Because I know they know the carriers just as good as I do. I want to be with this. Okay, good. All right, cool. Right. Awesome. I had an attorney one time that was a, a badass, I will sue the pants off of you attorney, who was a uh, single mom to a special needs son. Mm. And she was sent over to me from another agent. And I asked her to send me her documents, and she had $5,000 in life insurance. Not premium, mm-hmm. coverage. Mm-hmm. And I said, where's the rest of your life insurance at? She's like, I don't have any. Why don't you have life insurance? This was back mm-hmm. when I was selling life insurance. I was like, why don't you have life insurance? She's like, well, I don't really know anything about it. And to be honest with you, I think that a lot of agents were intimidated back in the day, and they would just assume I had my crap together and not talk to me about it. Mm-hmm. 
you know, six thousand dollars in premium later. Wow, she was paying more in premium than she had in death benefit. Sure, in so, full. Yeah. Wow. Well, you've only got a thirty-three percent chance of dealing at any one time with your personality type. But boy, it's fun when you get to. Because then you're dealing with you, right? Yeah, right. You're getting to deal with you, your personality type. So y'all are like jamming and talking. And and uh, it's so much fun when you deal with your personality type. Then you get on the next call, and it's the guy or girl that's completely the opposite of your personality type. And it just there's this, like, it's just hard. You have to learn how to kind of become a, a, a little bit of a, what am I trying to say here, like a, yeah, almost like an actor, you know. It's like, okay, this person's yeah. talking slow and asking lots of questions, and I don't have time. Yeah. And it's funny because all the it was agents back to that mirroring. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's mirroring. Every one of my agents in my office have different personality types, so I can just about tell you when somebody calls in for a quote, who's going to do well with that person and who's not yeah. going to do well with that we, person. We do a lot of that. I was doing an interview with a candidate last night, and. They asked me, they said, uh, you know, how do you guys do like rotation, round robin, all that? And and I basically said, you know, I've seen the downside of having a, a round robin mm-hmm. deal. I mean, now if somebody's working with a lender or working, I mean, that's different. It goes to them. But for the most part, we make the determination in that moment who is most equipped to handle that client right now. Mm-hmm. That's who goes. Who, who's going to get it done? Right. Sean, let's talk a second about that's an interesting uh, thing to, to to do there. If you had like a quote form and they just answered like what they thought were two or three fun questions, mm-hmm. that'd be an interesting way to funnel your leads to to the right sales agent. I've never actually thought of it that way. That's interesting. That's what I'm here for. Innovation. Hey, Sean, I got a question for you. Tell me what's going on at Glovebox right now. I want to hear. Oh man, we are uh, we're starting to just peek over the hill of uh, the the development uh, that has been been this year, 2021. We've got depending on I guess when this airs, um, we have Glovebox HQ just about to be rolled out to the beta agencies, which is is what our agencies have been asking for. It's the visibility into what are your clients doing, how do I access them, how do I unsubscribe them from this, how do I set up their Glovebox uh, mm-hmm. for them so it's an even better experience when they get in. How do I upload docs in here? That's coming very, very quick. Um, we've got, um, you know, I don't know if we've actually shared this, but, you know, it's you guys, so we can share it here. Um, we've got the new app being completely redesigned and developed, and the internal screenshots are fantastic, um, and we're just getting ready to be testing that. Uh, and there's some cool functionality that's being built in there that I probably can't share quite yet, but, you know, I'm, I'm pumped to share it because it is going to completely change how agents are quoting uh, the front end quoting application process. It is going to completely change how agents and policyholders are engaging and communicating with the, uh, the agency mm-hmm. uh, and even their carrier. We're finally getting to round out the vision of what we had, you know, three and four years ago when we started talking about it uh, and climbing this mountain. So, um, those are the big things that are coming, you know, development wise. I want to go back to what you said earlier. Are you saying that at some point in the not too distant future, my agents will be able to, once they sell a policy, go ahead after the sale post sale and go ahead and sign up that client for glove box so that our ratio percentage of, of clients that actually have glove box will, will increase at that point. Right. Exactly. So exactly. That, and actually with some of this, odds are they're going to be a user of yours before they're even a client. Wow. Um, just because it's going to be the way they're going to want to get you the detail. Sure. 
so yeah, it's gonna, it, it's gonna be, I mean, I think we have a very nice surprise and delight for the client when they come in, when we're referencing their data and they come in and they see, Oh, they're my policies. Right. But it's going to be even better when the agency takes the 30 seconds to go put it in. They're going to have the ability to set up the connection to the carrier right mm-hmm. away. So they don't even have to do that one step. Uh, it's a small step, but again, it, it, it's all focused on how do we make this super easy and streamlined for the policyholder, which is just all going to roll back up to, to the agency owners. Do I have to get permission from the policyholder for existing business I already have on the books, or could I put somebody in charge of, I want you to put every one of our policyholders, you know, sign every one of them up for Glovebox? It's a good question. I'd have to really think through that with the team just because there's really no way to tell if they've already got a login sure. to that carrier sure. or not. Right. You know, so you really couldn't set it up. I mean, you might be able to just say, hey, let's go do it. And if right. there's no account set up, it would work. And if it if there was one, it would say, oh, there's already an account set up. Uh-huh. Um, so I guess you probably could just put a team on it. You know, it'll, it should just error out, you know, because the carrier itself would say, hey, they already have an account. Right. So that's a good question. That's a good use case. I'll have to bring that up to the team here today. I look forward to the time when all of our agents can just put it in their process that once the policy gets sold, bound, then you just go ahead and take them through the Glovebox app because I think that's probably a step that's been needed Mm -hmm. to have because, you know, otherwise you're relying on them to go to the Play Store or the the Apple Store and download the the app and they kind of are in charge of doing all that themselves. And it would be nice just to go ahead and knock that out when the policy sold. Yeah. It's only going to get better, you know, which is the nice thing here is that, uh, you know, we're in our minds, you know, the product is, it's good. Um, it's not where we want it because we know what we want. We've got it in our head. We've got the roadmap on, on one. It's hard to live uh, one step in the future while you're developing while sitting there. It's like, it's like building a house, mm-hmm. you know, you're looking at the frame and you're like, yeah, all right, cool. The couch is going to go there. We're going to do this right here. The pool's going to go there, you know, but it's still, you know, it's still the framing, you know, and uh, th- these last couple things are really rounding out the entire foundation. And that foundation is what's going to allow us to really plug into other insure techs, um, be able to push the data where you guys want it as agents, right. Um, to integrate some of these other cool technologies that are out there. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's about to be a rocket ship, you know, which, which we all love. We love space. I don't know if you can tell it's on one of these, one of these backdrops, but Hey, Sean question. If these agents wanted to research and look into glove box, how would they need to go about going to, uh, go to gloveboxapp.com, gloveboxapp.com. Uh, website actually was just redesigned uh, a couple of days ago by by our friend Andy Matheson here, Boom. and uh, definitely takes more of uh, an overview. That's going to actually start getting revamped again here pretty soon. But right from there, you can book a demo. Comes right into us. Um, there's an email at the bottom as well. Feel free to email us and uh, hop on Instagram, Twitter, um, find Glovebox app. We definitely post a lot of content and have some fun, and then connect with us on LinkedIn. Gloveboxapp.com slash makeover giveaway. Makeover giveaway. Oh, there we go. Makeover. There we go. That's the one. See? That's the there one. we go. Even hey, if, just, just sign up. One. Just just sign up, do a demo. We would appreciate it. That's all we're we asking don't, for. We don't charge for I'm excited for the, for the makeover giveaway. Yeah. I know. I am too. I hope did, did I win. Did you guys by chance see the, the video we shot this week for it? I haven't. Yeah. I have not. Seen it. No. No, I haven't no. seen not it. Not yet. I think it's probably getting edited right now. I think you guys Uh-oh. are going to like it. Um, but I'll tell you what, I'm pumped for the agency that wins that. They're, they're going to... That's going to be interesting to follow. Um, I hope it's as me. they grow. That's that's uh, that's going to be cool. Did you register for it? Hell yeah, I registered for oh it. Oh my gosh! 
Oh my god. Hey, <laughs> last question and I'll let you go. I come out to Colorado. Are you going to show me? Should I learn how to ski or snowboard? Which one should I learn how to do? Smoke weed, and then we go up on the mountain. Of course, uh, yeah. you know if you've never have you done either of them? I have skied. Never yes. done either. No, I've skied. I've skied. I'd ski. I would ski. I would just ski. Ski yeah. skiing's easier to just get up and running, have a good day. You know, unless you're going to live out here for you know a couple weeks out of the year, skiing. It's yeah. just a little easier. My son goes out and snowboards every year, and he's like a level something snowboarder which is amazing to me because he lives in freaking Alabama, but he, he is a pretty good, decent little snowboarder. I, I wouldn't mean, even know how him, to uh, put t- a snowboard on my feet or dude, skis. Dude, Sean, back me up on this. Sean, back me up on this. You go up on the mountain and you'll see these damn kids that I, they're like five years, six years old, maybe seven, six, seven. Oh yeah. And they are like all Ripping. over the place on these snowboards. I mean, they'll just do circles around you on snowboard. Mm. It's amazing. Yeah. Have a, have your son hit me up when he's coming out uh, this winter. I'll take him to Vail. I'll show him the spots no one knows about. I would love that so much. Hey, uh, man, I appreciate you being on the show today. I really do. I, I had a great time talking to you for a little while. I know Bradley did, did as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, this is fun, guys. I really appreciate it as well. This is fun. Hey, tell Andy and Ryan we'll be in touch, and thank you for all they do for us. We really do appreciate it. And uh, as I close every show, Rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today and go out into the big bad world. Build relationships. Stop shuffling down paperwork around on your desk. I know that's what you're about to go do. Stop looking at TPS reports and scorecard bonuses and figuring out all that crap. Go build relationships and sell insurance. Make money for your family, for your wife, for your husband, for your kid's college fund. For your family and your parents that are struggling out there, write good business for the agencies that you represent and write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, man. Thanks, Sean. Sean, we love you too, brother. Yeah, thanks, guys. You are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. We love each and every one of you. Thank you for being a part of our family, and we look forward to seeing you again real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of The Insurance Guys. Take care.